into spirit where we discuss and explore issues related to spirituality in a manner that questions everything we start from a premise that everything comes from somewhere and work to understand the unexplainable we always endeavor to have a great time discussing a serious topic with the hopes of offering inspiring thoughts and ideas that allow for growth evolution and transformation we always begin by inviting spirit to join us in this conversation and guide our words and intentions so that we express things in a manner that is true and inspirational, and we are always thankful and extremely grateful for the opportunity to serve. I'm your co-host, Dr. Anthony Smith, and I'm joined today by my typical co-host, Glenda Jones, and our third co-host, Zawadi Powell, is out due to an emergency. Um, she will be back next week. And today we will be joined by Dr. Mawia Kamban, who is a clinical psychologist and a healer. And we're going to talk more about her role as a priest in the Ghanaian tradition. She'll say a lot about that. We're going to get into conversations of spirit and her understanding of spirit and how it manifests in her life. So welcome to everybody and buckle up for a good conversation here. So Dr. Kamban, we're going to Jump right in with you. Okay. How are you doing today? I'm doing great today. Good. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you for inviting me. Yeah. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and um, how you have come to be on your journey of life? Mm. Well, okay. So I am, uh, my name, Mawia Kanban. My spiritual name is Nana Ethia Incia Santewa. Um, I am the wife of Kamal Kamban, Dr. Kamal Kamban. We have three children, Ayana, Nataki, and Obadili, Nanakwami. We have uh, six grandchildren and are, uh, you know, just pleased to be able to have family. We have many children mm -hmm. um, throughout the diaspora that we didn't give birth to but have claimed. And in so doing, you know, I guess that was the beginning of my journey. When at a young age, my grandmother told me I needed to work with children. Mm -hmm. And I went to college to be an accountant. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to count money for children? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, what do they know? <laughs> uh -huh. But eventually it came around because, you know, she was wise and I was not. Mm -hmm. And um, that love for children grew because my grandmother had a daycare center mm. in our home. Mm -hmm. And so after school, part of my work was to work with the children in the daycare center. And she just noticed an affinity for and a naturalness with me and them. Mm 
And I felt it even at that young age, it was like they were my children. So that many of them would stay overnight or stay weekends, and two of them sort of she raised. Okay. And so whenever they left, I felt like somebody had just taken my children away. Hmm. And so I didn't talk to her about that till much later, but it was just strong in my heart to care for children and not see them mistreated. And fortunately in that environment, I watched her give love. You know, she cooked breakfast, lunch, and a snack for them and uh, did all kinds of things. So it was a very nurturing environment for me what I hadn't known at that time, you know, I was raised like most of us um, in the church. We went to African Methodist Episcopalian mm. Bethel. Okay. And um, so I'm kind of like a social social person, you know, mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. extroverted. <laughs> so I was in everything, everything in school, everything in church, everything, you know, so very dramatic, you know, dancing, drama, singing, everything. But I think where it really started manifesting in the church was, you know, um, uh, our youth group was a gospel choir. And so it really caught spirit, but different because Methodists aren't like Baptists or holiness churches and all. Mm-hmm. So um, it was different for our parishioners to have all this energy, and so this was the beginning period, too, of rock and roll, which we then t- called soul. Okay. And for many of us, we didn't see a difference between the two, so, you know, we just eat rocked in the party or rocked in the church. Mm-hmm, you know? mm-hmm. But it brought energy very different than, um, than normal, you know. Um, and so do you mind saying about what time that was so to give our listeners yeah. a, a sense of when what I era we're talking in, about? Um, so around high school, I guess that was, or going into high school. Oh, gosh, that's so far back when it's 1960s, 1961. Okay, okay. So, you know, I'm very proud to be 72. Okay. And uh, having had all these years. So that was a beginning period, and mm-hmm. beginning to... Then um, I remember uh, a big thing happened in our church. We, I had a, an auntie who was very jealous of our family. And even though she had treated me well, you know, she made sure that I didn't get a gift from the church when I went to college and all those kinds of things. Hmm. And one thing is she spearheaded this movement to get the gospel out of the church. Oh, wow. So when she did that, all the young people left. Like, we just walked out, Mm -hmm. you know. And surprisingly, I wasn't one of the older members. The minister came to me because my grandmother was active and asked me to help to bring people back. Well, that was my year going away to college. So that was, when did I go? 1965. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't, I never went back. Because when I got there, I found out there were more religions in the world than that one. When you got to college? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so I've never been exposed to anything. So, you know, of course, college exposed you to, you know, Buddhism and all these kinds of things, you mm-hmm. know. Not participating in them, but just learning about sure. them. Sure. Which made me question a lot of things from that point forward. Mm-hmm. If they had not told me the truth about that, what else had I not been told the truth about? 
So you felt like as you were learning these things that the knowledge you were given as a child growing up, where, where, did, you, where did you grow Stanford, Connecticut. In Connecticut. So I was born in New York City. Mm-hmm. But my grandmother, again, with her wisdom, felt that that wasn't a good environment to mm-hmm. raise a child. My mother was a singer. And uh, as such, you know, she was out in nightclubs and things. And, you know, not really an environment for children, you know, and not a place where she want, felt comfortable with me being left at home. Okay. So, so yeah, that was then, 1965. Um, and college was a, a eye-opening experience for a number of reasons. So, also went to college in, in Connecticut, University of Connecticut. My class had 15 blacks. Oh, wow. Mm. The whole school of 10,000 had 30 blacks. Wow. This is a state school we're talking about. So needless to say, we were very close. And that was also in the 60s. So mm-hmm. what was to come was the Black Power Movement. Right. Um, and many of the leaders in that movement came through. So even though they couldn't get on a lot of black campuses, you know, white campuses opened up to them. So we were exposed to the Panthers and and others, you know, and SDS was going on the same. That was the movement against Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, we weren't as involved in that um, because they took it over, you know. So we were much more involved um, in in the Black Power Movement. So, you know, like most of the campuses at that time took over the buildings, demanded yeah, had your sit-ins and protests. Had our sit-ins. Okay. We, we didn't have black faculty, so we demanded black faculty. We didn't have a black house, which was a student union where we could gather, so mm-hmm. we got those kinds of things at that time. Just the 30 of you? Uh, not those many of us. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> there were 30 on campus, and some of them were continental, so it wasn't just okay. blacks from here. So it was probably maybe out of all of us, maybe about 10, 15. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, well, man. No, that was in my class. Okay. The, that movement didn't happen until was it one, two, the next year because that's when affirmative action came in. Okay. And so they opened up the doors. And that year they let in five hundred blacks. Okay. Wow. So we had a lot more. So it was much more than fifteen. There were a lot of young folks from Hartford, Connecticut, mm-hmm. um, who were um, Hartford was like a small kind of ghetto and people don't realize that mm-hmm. Connecticut has those yeah. things. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it was even a culture shock for me because I saw behaviors I hadn't seen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But it was live. It was very live and um, very full of energy. And I really started to learn a lot and a lot of things started to begin to make sense for me. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where the energy really began during those years. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then we jumped. You know, after I graduated, I moved to New York and uh, started working in East Harlem, um, which was largely a part Puerto Rican community, um, and they were deeply into spiritual stuff. Okay. And so became exposed a little. To that, not really interested, but just exposed to it, you know, not disinterested, but not really interested. 
When you say spiritual stuff, what do you well, what do you, you mean? know, they were in Santeria, so you go by bodegas, and they would have these statues and selling herbs and things, and, you know, you're curious. You see mm -hmm. what kinds of things. They had a marketplace under the bridge. Uh, had a special name for it. And so you walk through there with all the meat smelling, just like, you know, when you go to Ghana. Mm -hmm. That's the way it's <laughs> And, um, you know, seeing all these different things and, you know, again, curious about it, but not curious enough to really ask a lot of questions just to see um, kinds of things. I didn't speak Spanish, though. Mm -hmm. but, um, but it was also the time when I started graduate school at um, Teachers College, Columbia University. Okay. And I had majored in psychology in undergrad, and when I went to Teachers College, I majored in counseling psychology. Okay. And um, so I started grad school in 1970. But in 1972, one of my friends, who was at NYU at the time, had uh, a relationship with people in Nana Yalapari Denizulu's group. I didn't know anything. Nana Yalapari Denizulu was the first person given permission by Nana Akuyaparabia of Ghana, Rate Ghana, to bring the tradition over in a big way, the Akan tradition over in a big way. Okay, so, so just to clarify, this is exposure, your first exposure to the Akan tradition, which you'll say more about later oh, on. Oh, not yet. That's not the first exposure. Oh, that's not the first exposure. No. Okay. But this is my first introduction to him. To him. But not, th not learning yet about Okay. Him. So my friend was connected to them okay. because one of the priests there had been her roommate in college. Mm -hmm. So I hadn't met them yet, but they were having a trip to Ghana for $299 round trip for six mm. weeks. Mm. Wow. So needless to say, I bought a ticket, didn't know where I was staying, anything like mm. that, but bought a ticket. And then that's how I got exposed. He had uh, chartered a continental airline and had filled it with nothing but us. Wow. And it was the most powerful experience I can ever say in life short for marrying my husband, mm. <laughs> that, um, and birthing my children. <laughs> but when we got off the plane, then up until recently, you know, when you go to Ghana, you would have to go down the stairs to get on the tarp. Um, I don't know if you've been recently, but now they got an airport. Yeah, airport. yeah. <laughs> all fancy now. All fancy. <laughs> But, and so at the top of that stair of that airline, people had come from all over the country to welcome him. Mm. And priests were dressed in white, et cetera, et cetera. And so they had this great big ceremony out on the tarp, pouring libations. And at that time, the airport had um, like a veranda. So people could come and look out on the tarp. And they were screaming and yelling and crying for us to come home oh. with them. It was powerful. I had no idea what the majesty of that kind of experience. And to be able to be there for six weeks. But then I was still a little shy about this mm -hmm. tradition. You know, mm -hmm. Didn't know much about it, but the experience was beautiful. And later on, when I became a part of them, they showed a video. 
I said, well, I was there. They said, we know. <laughs> <laughs> and mm-hmm. so um, I think getting to know them, we had been invited, Kamal and I had been invited to some of their um, activities. And we had, as most of us during the 60s said, we weren't into religion and we weren't bowing down to no other man. Mm-hmm. And so when we went there, part of the ceremony, people sat in state and you were to go and shake hands and kneel and all. And, you know, we still 60s, you know, we still revolutionaries. So. so that was part of what had come out of kind of the black power movement and right. some of the... Absolutely. You, you, so you had moved from your AME upbringing into a position of, I'm not dealing with that. Out of religion. Formalized doctrine, religion. Right. Okay. Out of religion, no formalized doctrine. And no. now you're in Ghana. Right. Watching folks bow down to right. another man. <laughs> okay. And feeling very spiritual, but mm-hmm. not really understanding all of it. Mm-hmm. And I had had some of those experiences in church, you know, inside. Mm-hmm. But there was no one explaining anything to me. Mm-hmm. What we did know, my sister and I did know, was that my grandmother would, when things got rough, she would go get on the train and go down to this little town in New Rochelle, New York, to talk to some woman. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then she would come back and she would be okay. You know? mm-hmm. So we kind of considered that since I was the most rebellious one that she was talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever find out who she was talking to? No, we okay. never did. Um, uh, she, you know, she's originally from North Carolina, Clayton. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, that's where my um, maternal grandfather and grandmother came from the same town, but they didn't meet until they went to Connecticut. Okay. They knew each other, but they weren't allowed to talk to each other. They were from different sides of the track. Mm-hmm. So you know how that was. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... That was the introduction there. Um, revolution, Nana Yalapar, Denizulu, um, exposure, you know, uh, but not enough curiosity to go further than that. But I was, you know, as I mentioned, I was outgoing, I was an extrovert, I was involved in the community doing things. Um, Kamal and I had begun to learn more about health and nutrition. And, you know, all of these things go together. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Very and so we were in Harlem at these uh, meetings um, at this bookstore there, famous bookstore uh, named Tree of Life, yeah, bookstore. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a very powerful place. And the people, even though they were talking about health, were very spiritual. So I said, even though, you know, because it <laughs> right, goes together. Right, it goes you know? together. And uh, so we started changing our diet. And in fact, before I met him, I had already begun to change my diet. And with Kamau, when he learned something uh, and it's truth, he'll jump over you. <laughs> <laughs> and that's basically what happened. He started... Um, really getting involved in it. I had already experienced vegetarianism, and and I was a good cook. So um, my grandmother would always talk about 
when she got old, she was coming to live with me because I cooked chicken the way she did. <laughs> and when I became a vegetarian, she said, well, where am I going to go now? <laughs> so, um, but to get to the um, spiritual part and how it came about, uh, I was a member of Babyside. Which is? The Association of Black Psychologists. Okay which is an international body. Mm-hmm. And uh, I became the first uh, uh, head of the General Assembly of the Association, and that was a working arm. We were the ones that did the work. The board did the policy, and we did the work. Mm-hmm. So I was uh, chair of that group for three years. But there's a difference between going and I, and I have to give credit to ABCI for a lot of things. Going there and listening to Naeem Apra, Wade Nobles, Asa Hilliard, Bobby Wright, uh, uh, Robert Williams, uh, just on and on and on. People who would come in like um, Ernie Smith from mm-hmm. California and Joe White and all those were full of power. And these were professionals. Mm. And People I who had, were founders of black right. psychology and Absolutely. Who, were, who were writing the theory and, and doing the research that was really pushing the whole black psychology movement forward. And unafraid. Mm-hmm. Unafraid to speak truth wherever they went. Okay. And so in years I would just go and feel all empowered for a whole year and come back again, but never really got involved, you know, never really signed a paper to join, but just had that experience. But after joining and becoming more active in it, I became the General Assembly Chair at one point, and we would have meetings, and there were, being in the back room is not the same as being up front. Mm -hmm. So there were lots of issues and lots of problems and trying to lead people who were all over the place um, when we were supposed to be committed to this idea. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I asked a friend about who I might be able to go to talk to, like my grandmother had, mm-hmm. about the problems and what I could do. So I was introduced to um, Nana Insia Pari, who had been and I didn't even know it at the time, the best friend of the friend who was supposed to go to Ghana with me. Okay. Meanwhile, that friend didn't go. She fell in love that summer. <laughs> <laughs> but I went anyway. Right. <laughs> and um, so I went to her uh, a number of times to say, what do I need to do for her to get readings, spiritual readings? Did not know that she was connected with Nana Yawa Pari Azul. And so, you know, you see how this web is forming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So did you know what a spiritual reading was at that time? No. Okay. But you knew you wanted to go talk to somebody mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. your grandmother. Well, you know, I mean, she wasn't a psychologist. She right. Was, you know, but, you know, and I think I had known some things, but not really, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, my family would tell you sometimes I'm up for things, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so I went, and uh, and it was... You know, she talked about things that she could not have known herself. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of um, convinced me of some things. Because, you know, you go, you ask about your own life, you ask about your family, things of that nature. And I went to ask about ABC. Um, 
And, uh, you know, some things were told to me. At another point in time, we had gone to um, a festival down in uh, South Carolina where the Wolof came over for the first time with Dr. Finch. Mm -hmm. And our own Tawede Cheryl Grills was being initiated into that along with two other people. But it was a huge thing. And what they did was in respect because they were bringing this tradition over here to be grounded. They also invited what we know as the indigenous um, people or called the indigenous people because we know we were also indigenous here, but the uh, Native Americans mm -hmm. to welcome this group over. So they had simultaneous rituals going on. Okay. And so that was another major powerful experience where Mam Fatusek, who was head of that group, a uh, very old elder, called me in and told me things that I was supposed to do in my life that matched. So match um, what you had been told before. Right, right. Match okay. what I had been told before. In a totally different in system. In a totally different system, totally different environment. Um, and she had more to tell. Okay. And so um, I So you're going, I'm getting information. These people don't know me. Right. And they're giving me the same information. So there's got to be something going on that's mm -hmm. bringing this information together. And we were also inspired by the um, indigenous Native American people who came and gave readings about what was happening for our people mm. because they also did that. Okay. And uh, that was in incredible. So uh, people need to understand that we will not stay in the position we're in forever. Mm. Good to know. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, because they, but they can't sit back and wait for a magic wand. Sure, you know? I mean, sure. You have to be a part of your own liberation. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. So that was really the things that kind of pulled it together for me. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you remember, you should remember, when I had the think tank at oh, yes. the Newcomb. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. And we had um, uh, Ia Negra mm -hmm. come from New York. Mm -hmm. Remember? Mm -hmm. Yes, I did. She was Apollo. Mm -hmm. And so she also talked about things to come, especially for our group. Mm -hmm. um, the the um, piece that came from that was that um, you were probably weren't in the room at the time. Was um, she? Spirit came to her, mm -hmm. and she also gave breathings. And um, Wade had just left, um, and things were told about him and and some other people that we were to do. I had been consistently hearing this thing about what I'm supposed to do, but did not really understand totally what it meant. Mm -hmm. After that, I went to uh, Nana um, Insia again, and my spiritual head, uh, Asujbi, asked me to join. I was very 
amusing because the way he asked was, he said, I want you to be my wife. And my response was, I'm already married. <laughs> <laughs> to which Nana Incia had a big laugh. Because you know? mm -hmm. I didn't understand mm -hmm. what that meant, you know. So, um, so you're going to break that down so that so that right, listeners can understand right. what so that means. So what it means well. is that you you marry the tradition, you know. Um, uh, I hate to make a comparison, but you know, like when uh, nuns go into the church, they marry God or whatever. Or who, I don't know who it is. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's the same in our tradition that um, this entity in you become entwined and. Um, you walk with together. Okay. You know? So that's what that meant. Walking with spirit. Walking with spirit. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so you know, um, told me I had to think about it, etc. So again, we had made this promise about not bowing down to, etc. Didn't know a lot about it, so I started knowing, learning to know about it, mm -hmm. and um, then. The next year, we had the think tank in L.A., and I had agreed that I would do this. But in L.A., uh, Nana Abbas came. Tawedi Cheryl Grill, Dr. Cheryl Grills, invited him to our think tank in L.A. This was still General Assemblies. And, oh, these think tanks were for us to develop the curriculum of black psychology. That's what we were doing. Mm -hmm. um, so he came, and she asked him, if he would train me. Well, I wasn't prepared for that, you know, because I had already made a promise in DC. But long story short, things continued. I went to train in Ghana with him, etc. But eventually, I had made this promise to a surgery and I had to come back there. Mm -hmm. So I also then, in 2000, after the convention, um, started training with uh, Nana um, AC Denizulu Park. Denizulu, forgot her last name. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, in uh, New York. And uh, so the things started coming together in terms of the work. Now, when I say coming together in terms of the work, psychology for me is but a small expression of the spiritual work. Mm -hmm. As even as they present it. But when we become involved, it's all one. Mm -hmm. Mind, body, and spirit. Okay. Because we know that this brain is just a vessel that holds the mind. Mm -hmm. But that the mind really resonates throughout our body, mm -hmm. our stomach, our head, all of that. And so um, I began to see this work of being a psychologist very differently. Mm. And the work that Asa and Wade were doing, uh, Dr. Asa Hillier, Dr. Wade Nobles and all, um, was beginning to come to fruition for me, mm -hmm. as I had been told. Okay. You know? Mm -hmm. And um, I became much more actively involved in that aspect of ABSI, the Association of Black Psychologists. Mm -hmm and much more engaged in fulfilling my destiny. Mm -hmm. Which is the spiritual evolution mm -hmm. of ABSI and 
helping people to recognize their own spirit. Is, is that and my that, own work. And your own, okay. You know, developing self, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we often talk about there's a big self and the small self, the big self being spirit and the small self being this vessel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So developing that big self so that it can do those kinds of things that we talk about in the Association of Black Psychologists. But not just there, because throughout the world, we must be doing this work Mm -hmm. to help re-empower our people to liberate themselves so that they reclaim that spiritual essence that will liberate each of us. So as each of us becomes liberated, it provides a way for others of our people to become liberated. Okay. So how would you explain how spirit manifests for you um, in the work that you do in the Akan tradition? And if you could explain Mm -hmm. a little, give a basic overview of what the Akan tradition is all about Mm -hmm. for our listeners so they can understand and appreciate what that is. So let me go out and then come in. Sure. Because the Akan tradition is just one family mm-hmm. among all African traditions. So it's like, you know, I go into your home, you may sit at the table and eat, and I might sit at a stool and eat. That's our different ways of eating, mm-hmm. but we're all eating. Mm-hmm. And so I see, you know, the Akan as the Yoruba, as the Wolof, as each of us, having come from ancient Kemet where we were doing our work together, mm-hmm. forced out of there due to enslavement, rape, robbery, all those things, to take the, the secrets and messages that we learned there to back. You know, so we came there, but we already were a part of all of Africa mm-hmm. and all of the world. Mm. So we are much greater. We claim you know, we have problems with this word called Africa because it's not that word. Mm -hmm. But Kemet is land of the blacks. And in every society, every country, their name for themselves relates to land of the black. Mm -hmm. So we have all come to and from land of the black. The Akan are just one family in that great myriad of people. And what happens is in the Akan is we have a cosmology as all traditions which talk about how we came to be mm-hmm. and how we will move through the world and how we will live and how we will then return. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you know in the Bokongo and all that, we come in as a living son. That's a child being born. There's certain things that are supposed to occur there. Most importantly for the Khan. The Akan is the naming ceremony. Hearing what that message is that that child brought to the earth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Being able to relate it so that that child has a name to be reminded throughout life what their destiny is and how they're supposed to live their life. Mm-hmm. Then they move on up through different stages. Young adulthood, uh, teenage years, and certain things occur during that at the midpoint uh, adulthood, there are things that you have an opportunity to turn around and look at whether or not you've achieved all that you were sent here to do, and you still have time to do more. Mm -hmm. We move to eldership, 
which is a time of wisdom. You stop working and you share the wisdom. And in the Akan tradition, Proverbs are very strong. So in the Akan, elders speak the Proverbs. Youth don't speak the Proverbs mm. because they're not wise enough. Right. Mm -hmm. They're still learning. But the Proverbs are important and the elders speak to the youth in Proverbs so that they understand what it is they're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Then we go back to the ancestor realm. And that's after we leave this earth, we still are working, but this time on the other side. As spirit. As spirit. Mm -hmm. And in the Akan tradition, we even have entities that go back and forth, like what we call the Mortia, which are the little people, mm -hmm. that can be visible in this earthly plane, but they are also on the other side. Mm -hmm. So that's a little bit about the cosmology. And we do um, divinations, we do readings, um, divinations, we do spiritual work, rituals, etc., to try to help people reclaim their own spirit. Mm -hmm. So in the work that we do as psychologists, you know, there are names given for when there's disorder, mm -hmm. you know, usually in the mind. Things like psychosis and schizophrenia and depression, etc. From where I sit, those are misalignments that we are not in complete alignment with our spirit mm -hmm. and that sometimes that allows a void for other mal, mal, what's the word, malevolent energies to come through mm -hmm. that interfere with your own equilibrium mm -hmm. and sometimes then we have to do work to bring that balance back mm -hmm. and uh, so that's how in essence I work with spirit and psychology so you help people to tap into their own spirit absolutely and then make sure that it is aligned appropriately so that they can live their life in an optimal manner in an optimal manner and helping them to understand how that that is mm -hmm. so it's not uncommon you know maybe not in the first session but after that to talk about the ancestors that have been invited in mm -hmm. and to tell them about those ancestors but it's really interesting because of late many have come who have already some kind of understanding mm -hmm. They've gone to my website, so they see me. So they come purposefully, mm -hmm. not knowing consciously, but knowing spiritually, mm -hmm. you know. And so, um, so we begin to talk about ancestors, and we talk about building altars to your ancestors, and um, making sure you listen to them, or try to listen to them. We talk about being one with nature, that our spirit is um, as much a part of nature as that tree outside. Mm -hmm. And that once you understand that, then there are certain things you cannot violate. You know, you can't pour the oil from your car on the ground. You know, mm -hmm. there are things you just can't do because this, these are your brothers and sisters and children mm -hmm. and mothers and fathers. And so you show that same kind of respect. They're tapping into the spirit of the universe, mm -hmm. of nature in particular. Okay. You know? And so you know, I may not go that deep with them into all of those things, but I, often part of the work they have to do is they got to go out in the sun, mm -hmm. take off their shoes, walk through the grass. Mm -hmm. 
warn them not to go to a park where they let the dogs live. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but to do that. Mm -hmm. And do that often. Because what we don't know, again, mind is mind, body, and spirit, is that your nutrition also has an impact on that. Mm -hmm. And if you don't get the vitamin D, especially from the sun, that that affects the melanin that we have mm -hmm. that can't then heal us in the way that's natural. Okay. And then we take, have to take, or we think we have to take drugs and other things to provide what nature has already provided for us. Mm -hmm. So my psychology practice involves all of that. So you really have a holistic approach to tapping into spirit. Absolutely. Yeah. So I get people to detox. Mm -hmm. You know, I make a formula. I use um, essential oils. I use stones and crystals. All of those things because that's what nature has given me mm -hmm. to use as tools to help people heal. How can you tell when someone needs to detox or... Um needs a certain uh, herb or, or remedy? Well, detox, everybody needs, so, you know, that's very easy. Okay. <laughs> Most people have so much junk in them, mm -hmm. garbage, because we're socialized to eat badly. Mm -hmm. And we're never taught what it is to feed our bodies, let alone our spirits, but our bodies. So we're never taught that in the many years we're through school. Our parents don't know it. They do the best they can. Most of us raised in with slave foods, mm -hmm. you know, getting the remnants of what was left. Mm -hmm. But still with that, many of us knew because there were many who came over here who were spiritual guides to make sure that our people um, survive. Mm -hmm. And so we've had experiences where people have found plants that only grew in Africa in barns in the South and mm -hmm. things of that nature. So that always there's been this opportunity to continue the legacy. Mm -hmm. And so um, how I can tell is that uh, they came in with a problem. Mm -hmm. So automatically, you know, um, they may need to detox, but I don't go there right away again. Um, but then I, this uh, woman came in pain from head to toe. That's only parasites throughout her whole body. Mm. So she needs to detox. She needs some other things too. You know, I refer her to an acupuncturist. Um, I refer some to a chiropractor. Mm -hmm. But the detox is essential. You need that before you can even begin to think about providing nutrients because those parasites are eating up all the good things within your body. Mm -hmm. So that's one way of knowing. And different things that they make headaches, their essential oil formulas to help with those kinds of things, you know, so people can't sleep. Mm -hmm. Their essential oils to help with those. Their stones to keep negative energy away. Um, uh, sister walked into my office one time. I try to get people not to wear black all the time. She walked in dressed in black from head to toe thing, and this energy was behind her. And she talked about how. It follows her, you know, follows her across the street in her room, et cetera, comes into the room. So fortunately, there are no accidents. She had another set of clothes in the car. I had her bring in the clothes. We did a uh, detox with Sage right there. Mm -hmm. 
things began to change for her immediately. Mm. Mm-hmm. To the point now that she doesn't have any experiences like that. Wow. So when you're working with people, are you... I know some of the stuff is things that you learn, but it sounds like some of it is intuitive or guided by spirit as well that lets you know, I need to do this, or I need to suggest this, or this is a particular treatment for this person. Would that be accurate? That one in particular. Yeah, mm-hmm. Most of it is that my spirit is connected to spirit. Mm-hmm. So there are things that I know that I don't even know I know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And are there things that you have to do to nurture that? to help facilitate that happening? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know about... Yes, yes and no. I can't say direct, direct, but in this work I do, um, I connect with my spirit every day. Mm -hmm. Can you say a little bit about how you do that? Well, in the Akan tradition, we... um, uh, well, let's say your your listeners who know about spiritual things know that, like in Yoruba, they use cowrie shells or pele, et cetera. And our con tradition, we typically use pots. We have a spirit that we have, mm-hmm. that, and um, I use that to to commune with daily. Is that a form of prayer or meditation? Um, so we try not to use those English words. Okay, we talk. And we listen. It's a conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. We talk and we listen. So listening might be mm-hmm. called meditation. Mm-hmm. Talking might be called prayer. You know, that's very important. We, we spent a lot of time um, previously talking about how we come to believe what we believe and why do we do some of the things that we do. And you talk about your earlier experience being in the AME church. Um, all of that is training. And um, it's it appears to me that if you are with a family that does things a certain way, you're going to pick up that way of doing it, and that is going to become your truth. Most people don't take the time to really explore and figure out for themselves what really works. Why do I believe what I believe? Mm -hmm. What am I feeling? What is my spirit telling me? And so as you've been talking, you've talked about a journey where you've had to do your own kind of research and understanding and have your own spiritual experiences that guided you and told you this is where I need to be mm-hmm. and then informs the work that you do and allows you to do it in a way that you can see change manifesting in others, mm-hmm. which is really evidence-based medicine because mm-hmm. the proof is in the pudding, right? <laughs> you know, and it's really interesting as we know this was all determined before I got here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, my grandmother, fortunately, was the vessel that helped to nurture that, even though she did it through the church. But when I left the church, she would ask me to come sometime. But she always said to me, I know you know it's inside of you. Mm-hmm. She would say that to me. Mm-hmm. And, but she still asked me to come. <laughs> and there was no problem with that, you know, because... Um, I couldn't really, because I really felt strongly about not going to church, I didn't go. But there was no other spirituality involved in that that I knew mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. It was just that I knew that wasn't right. Right. That you know? wasn't for you. Right. Mm-hmm. And since that time, I've learned that um, 
well, I knew some of this earlier, but we have a history aligned in that. My great-great-grandmother was a spiritual midwife for plantations. Mm. And her mother likely came over as a priest to do the spiritual work. Okay. So this is in line. So my grandmother wasn't doing it, but she knew enough to know to go to this woman and not rely, even though she went to church, she didn't go there to ask. Right. <laughs> she went to this woman to ask her not only what, but w what she should do. Interestingly, I've heard a lot of people that do that. Mm -hmm. Like, by night, they will go and talk to the people, <laughs> but they won't let anybody know, and they certainly won't do it in the daytime. And I saw plenty of that in Ghana mm -hmm. when, when I was mm -hmm. being trained by Nana Abbas. The ministers would come to him at night mm -hmm. for work. Really? But they never told their parishioners. You'll see some YouTube videos where some ministers have received the, the what we use the pot, mm -hmm. taking the spirit into their church to create miracles, oh, but wow. not telling the people. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering why the priest has given them that, creating a false, you know, impression that then the people follow, thinking it's that you know, white guy in the sky. You know, right. Um, so. Um, but I think even more than the fact that I do this with these tools that I've been given and the intuitiveness is helping people find their own spirit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we know that there are many people who have these gifts who've not been formally trained as I have, mm -hmm. who have been nurtured in a way. Um, see, because many families suppress it. A lot of children have it. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of people see it, mm -hmm. um, but they're afraid, not necessarily themselves, but they're afraid for others to know because what will that mean? Will people think they're crazy? Right. You know, they practice in that voodoo. Right. What will become of them as a result of right. having these gifts? Right. Um, and so, you know, fortunately, some parents have come to me with children who have had it. And when it frightens them, I will say to tell the child to ask who it is and to ask them at this time could they leave because I'm afraid mm -hmm. you know um, until they can you know warm up to it you know so, so there have been several parents who've had children yeah. Yeah. that have been able to hear and see so we talk about children having these imaginary friends mm -hmm. um, they're not in their imagination they are real for them mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so they have conversations they begin to disappear for them around seven and eight because nobody helps to nurture it. Right. You know, nobody helps the child to understand what's going on and how to work with it. But in Africa, and particularly in Ghana, I've mm -hmm. seen they start at four years old. You know, being well, they are identified at birth, but they start to work with them and then really initiate them around seven years old. Mm -hmm. You know, so that then they begin to learn naturally. Yeah. In environments, you know, and, and they're still children. Yeah. You know, still do things children do. Mm -hmm. And there are other cultures that do that as well mm -hmm. all around the world. Absolutely. But we don't necessarily know about those because we're um, bombarded with just a few ways of understanding, mm -hmm. you know, the, the path of spirit. But there are many, many other ways, natural ways that yield results. 
Um, another interesting thing is that even in our communities here, people talk around it. Mm-hmm. So the concept you were talking about of kids having this gift, or even adults, like I, I've talked to many people over the years who, after a while, get comfortable enough to say, you know, I have these dreams that come true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or I have these intuitions, these spiritual manifestations that just seem to happen. And I don't know why. And I've never talked to anybody about it. Again, because they don't want to be perceived as quote-unquote crazy. And I just normalize it and right. begin to talk to them about what that really means. Right. Um, if it were just a normal part of our culture, how much would we see a decrease in the quote-unquote problems that people right. have if it was just a normal part right. of life? Mm-hmm. Something that I think about quite frequently. I think there's a great benefit in beginning to work with children uh, at a very young age because they aren't tainted by what we experience in our society. Mm -hmm. When we wait until they're older, then there's all this programming that's outside of what we would teach. So there's an amazing benefit in that. And which is something that we should do in our culture, even with what limited knowledge we have, just listening to your story there was so much that you identified with even as a child and you didn't know why you felt what you felt. And that was spirit working. Like we are born with that period. And mm-hmm. it was nurtured in you even without knowing it. Yeah, absolutely. So, and you talked about around here, particularly in the South. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. um, I mean, I saw it in New York, but particularly in the South, it's, I mean, spirit is just everywhere. And our people experience it greatly. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, like I said, my great-grandparents, you know, came from Johnson County, you know. Um, and to, when you begin to be able to sit with people and talk about it, then they talk about their experiences yeah. and their families. And the things that existed, and how they took care of things. So my um, my sister her, her husband's grandmother would look at people and then go out to the swamp and get the herbs to cure. So we she cured two people of blindness. Wow! By just knowing what to do. Hmm. Do you? How do you think they tapped into spirit? Those, mm-hmm. because they well, they didn't have to tap into it because nobody had taken it away from them. Mm-hmm. You understand? We had to go back to me. I had to go back to. Mm-hmm. But that grandmother, I mean, she she just it was just her who she was. Mm-hmm. And and I think about my great grandmother. Walking through plantations, healing folks, you know, giving verses. It's just who she was. She didn't have to do anything because she was all spirit. Mm-hmm. She didn't, there was no separation. Okay. You know, um, we spend much of our time trying to walk the human life that we've been programmed to do. Yes. And there's not an environment to nurture what you said to even the children right. or anybody else. Mm-hmm. To feel that this is 
this is normal. Right. What you're socialized to do is not normal because it does not feed your spirit or your people. Mm-hmm. And it has you going around in a circle until you die. Right. Unfulfilled. Like the hamster on mm-hmm. the wheel in mm-hmm. the cage. Mm-hmm. And we are accustomed to doing what's normal that is so unnatural. Mm-hmm. We're so far from what's natural. And we, we've we normalized what really shouldn't be. Right. <laughs> and expect ourselves to perform to try to get it. So yes. I have this young woman who every reading, no matter where she goes, says that sh- uh, 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 she talked to somebody who pulls cards. I'm not sure what the cards are. But shaman keeps coming up. I'm not going to do it in this lifetime because I got these things I want to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they keep falling. They keep falling away from her. Mm-hmm. And no matter what you say. So you just have to leave that, you know. Mm-hmm. They, she gets right to the edge and then it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's been explained to her, you know, y- you are being told that you must do this. And um, I don't want my life confined to, but who says it has to be confined? I mean, you see me. You know, am I not doing things? Don't I you know, walk the streets and go to festivals and stuff? No, I'm not going to bars and stuff. <laughs> so, so you're speaking to this um, kind of thought of if I go into something that is in the spiritual realm, I have to uh, forego all of the fun uh, earthly things, um, and then that's in you know you see that in a lot of different traditions. Um, I can't be a person, um, but is there a balance in that? Like you, you, you speak about, you, are you enjoying your life? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. love my family, <laughs> and I am, um, and it has changed, you know. Um, but it's also accepting of the change and. And I don't really know what balance means. Mm-hmm. When people talk of balance, they really are talking about not wanting to give up a lot of the worldly stuff that's destroying them and mm-hmm. the planet. Mm-hmm. And so we need to examine that. Are you living in harmony with your spirit, with nature? Everybody doesn't want to. But then you realize the limitations, and I hate to say it this, of your usefulness. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. What are you propping up? Are you propping up systems that have been sent here to destroy us? Are you helping them? Mm-hmm. Are you helping them? Are you helping us? Because we are the truth. Yes, we are. We are the truth and all of who we are is spirit. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I have experienced on my journey is, and it, it's a constant um, renewal, but detoxing. I can think back to, when you say that, I can think back to early on when I relaxed my hair or I wore weave or I did some things that altered my temple. As I began to learn and there were things that I let go, then there were other things that I no longer desired. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that I gave it up. I no longer wanted it. It wasn't interesting to me. And even with the resources 
to purchase some things that maybe I thought when I get to this point in my life and I have this much money, I'm going to buy this thing. But as I worked on my my spirit and that walk, there was no desire to do that when I could do it. I wanted to do something different. And I, I believe that when people can understand that it's not about sacrificing something that you're, you're, like, you're not going to miss out on it because it's not natural for you to do that anyway. It's not what you should Absolutely. be doing. And you, as you work on your temple and that spirit and you're working to become more spirit, you just don't have a desire for it. So, you know, I, I look at my husband as an example of that. You know, he, he doesn't talk about sacrifice. He talks about sacred wisdom. You grow into sacred wisdom. So you're not making a sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And so then, you know, he's probably, um, and I say this almost with tongue, a minimalist, mm -hmm. but he's also a pack rat. <laughs> you know, in that he has, he keeps, you know, he would say when the children were, do you know how many years I've had that? <laughs> when they would break something. <laughs> but, you know, in terms of he goes through like, I don't need this. I don't need this. I don't need this. So I have to force, I have to sneak and buy pants for him or Mm. too much information. <laughs> no, but I can relate to that. Right. Because I'm constant. I say that very often. And I have uh, had readings and talked with people who tell me, Glenda, you need to do more for yourself. And, and I'm always evaluating. I don't need it. Mm -hmm. And it's, it really doesn't do anything for me to have it. So I really can relate to that. And yeah. I respect that. You know, and so when you brought that up, because it resonated so well after you asked that question, it resonated so well that um, I feel the same way. I probably am, well, I know I'm a little more materialistic than he is. I like nice things, but I don't like to spend a lot of money. Right. Know? I like for things to look nice. Mm -hmm. You know, I like things to look clean. Mm -hmm. I like my environment, because I think that that is holy too, that you create an environment in which you can be comfortable. Yes. But also, my grandmother would say that you can be poor and you can have soap and water to wash things. Mm -hmm. Yes. So there's no, there's no such thing as dirt being synonymous with poverty. She did not believe in that. Right. Um, so, you know, all of these things are about what we, what is natural and what is given. I saw a video today about um, what it was. It was uh, uh, YouTube saying that how rich Africa is and how uh, downtrodden England is in terms of the buildings, et cetera, and things mm -hmm. like that, and the environment. And you know, I didn't get to see it because I was busy. But I was. I just thought of how vast and beautiful the forest lands are in the waters and the streams and the mountains mm -hmm. and that kind of environment that our people have had for centuries to live in. Right. Mm -hmm. and the, but they rushed to these cities to live in these caves mm -hmm. and to build bigger caves to live in mm -hmm. with debt. Right. So, I mean, that comes into my session too. Mm -hmm. You've got to look. No. You're living above your means. And you're stressing yourself out. For what reason? Right. To prove something to yourself because nobody else is looking. Mm -hmm. Not at all. So what's missing in here that you have to 
put yourself in debt to think you've got something that means something. Or to make other people think you well, have something. Well, I know something. that's part that's of it. <laughs> I'm really focusing on them. Right. You know, that, you know because it's, uh, that's another sickness within. It is. Mm-hmm. You it know? is. That, you know, if you need a car, you can have a car. But you don't have to have a, a, a Lexus, mm-hmm. whatever the one, a Maserati, et cetera. Mm-hmm. There are people who can have Lexus, but they ought to be making six figures or more. Mm-hmm. All the cars will get to you to stoplight at the same time. Well, some a little bit faster than the others. <laughs> I don't know. You get in traffic, you can't, you can't get to the right. stoplight, but at the same time. You yeah. know, and I'm not saying that... They're going to get you the same place. Right. Get Black people are not supposed to be impoverished. I don't believe that mm-hmm. at all. But we have to think about the value of the things that we think are valuable. Mm-hmm. You know? So that you, we are supposed to have everything that we're supposed to have. Everything that we're supposed to have. We just have been socialized to want things that don't make sense. Mm-hmm. We're building big cities and big buildings instead of building big spirits and right. um, working on the, the temple. That's what we should be building, but we're so... There's a, a, a small town or a village in Ghana, you know, as everywhere in the world we now have cell phones, etc. But there's this village, one of the priests who's from here wanted to bring um, a cafe, one of those, uh, internet Internet cafe, cafe. Mm -hmm. and have a tower built. And the spirits said, no, you will not bring that here Mm -hmm. because it interferes. Mm -hmm. So they told her directly, no, you will not bring that here. Right. Okay. She listened. She, she understands. So she listened. I mean, her intentions were not bad mm-hmm. because she wanted to help the community. Sure. But not that year. Anything they need to know, we will tell them. Right. We'll keep them tapped into spirit. Mm-hmm. So um, I want to ask one more question here before we, before we wrap up. You started off talking about children and your connection to children and as I've listened to you talk about spirit and the way we have been disconnected, um, I'm wondering, do you think it's possible to teach or develop children in a way that they can stay connected and not lose it at, I think you said four or, or seven. seven, you said seven. Mm-hmm. Um, is How would you raise children how would you parent your children in a way and and maybe you did um but what would be your formula for how you would perceive that happening in a society that was operating at its best well it it happens already as i mentioned in ghana it happens already they don't lose it because it's nurtured and they become priests Mm -hmm. so it's just the normal african way Mm -hmm. here it's different because it's, they, they don't lose it there. They lose it here, I mentioned, because it's not nurtured. Sure. Mm-hmm. But they don't lose it there because it's continued mm-hmm. for them. But the way, you know, I think of how my son and his wife are doing a school. It's called Abibi Fahodie Adeshua B, which means uh, Black uh, Liberated Liberation School, Black Liberation School. So one of the things they're doing is they have this program of 15 lessons that 
all parents need to go through and the older children that come, and I mean children like seven is older, mm. need to go through so they understand the philosophy of what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Recently, somebody came, they really want to go to the school, but he doesn't want his child to be involved in libations. Mm. So her, um, my um, daughter, my husband's, my husband, my son's wife, said, um, asked me what I thought of that. I said, that's an integral part of what you do. If you compromise that, then you're going to have to start making compromises. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. His background is Christianity. I said, if he wants to come here, if he went to a Christian school, he wouldn't ask him to change anything. Right. He can choose to come or not to come, right. but you can't change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so in an environment that doesn't provide, because even though he's in Ghana, everybody in Ghana does not I mean, it's become, what, 85% Christian? Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So in training them to be in touch, you have them outdoors, you know, here. Have them in nature. Have them work in gardens. Have them teach them to love animals. You know, teach them to respect all of those kinds of things. Let it just emanate from them. So they don't necessarily have to be priests, trained priests, but tapping into their spirit is having them tap into the spirit of the world. Mm. That's beautiful. Absolutely. I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is an excellent way to put a wrap on it. We might tweet that out. (laughs) (laughs) This has been a very fruitful conversation and we're very, very grateful for you um, engaging this conversation on spirit with us. Um, we are going to continue exploring these things and, and hearing from other people as they are being inspired by the words that we speak and the conversations that we have. Um, so, again, we say thank you very much. We're very, very grateful to spirit for bringing this conversation together. So. Why don't you give us your um, your particulars? Okay. Uh, so, you know, as you um, mentioned, I'm a psychologist, so my business is onipa.com, O-N-I-P-A.com, which is an Akan word, which means of the people, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they can go to my website um, that was um, developed and created by my daughter's business, newbusinesssolutions.com. There they will see a a guided meditation where I do that, Mm -hmm. Um, continuing to develop that. Um, uh, Because I believe in meditation, they talk about hypnosis. All of that is helping to tap in the spirit. Mm -hmm. So I use that also in my work. Okay. Um, I forgot to mention that. So they can reach me through that website, or my number is 919-231-2109. I have other healing businesses as well. You know, I do um, um, nature products like soaps and body butters, mm. but they're different because they're healing. Okay. Now, we know oils and all of those things are naturally healing, but you, when you put them together a certain way, they have even greater power. Okay, so that information for your products is on your website as well? No, that's Asase Heals. Asase is the Akan word for earth. 
Okay. Asase Heels. A S A S E Heels.com. Okay. Okay. So those are two of my major businesses. Okay. You know, and they want to find out about um, all the things we do, you know, tap into that. Um, my, my son has a, um, a website, a, a BB Fahodier, no, a BB2Me.com, mm-hmm. where it's a university, a community. Community brings in information and they um, share it to help elevate the mind, which helps it to elevate the spirit. And it's also, you can um, learn languages. He, he has language class as well. Right. Yeah, that on that university he teaches uh, Tree, Yoruba, and Swahili. Okay. okay. He speaks five African languages fluently, mm-hmm. and others he can order food in. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. So all of our family have uh, websites doing different things. Um, so go ahead and, and tell let let the people know right. what, what's your daughter. Well, doing? as I mentioned, my daughter is in a business consultant, and so she helps black people develop businesses. Well, she helps other people as well, but mainly um, trying to help us not do side hustles, but to create multi-level, million-dollar businesses. Um, And so that the name of that is new and you, businesssolutions.com. So you make sure you put all those S's in, newbusinesssolutions.com. And if you look at my website, you'll see that's a product of her, her company, you know. Um, my husband is KamalKanban.org, um, where he gives lectures and things of that nature. Um, Spell that. K-A-M-A-U-K-A-M-B-O-N.org. Okay. Uh, Nana Kwame, my son, has been um, uh, initiated as a king. And given a hundred acres of land that in we, Ghana mm-hmm, that we hope to develop, and uh, so he teaches capoeira, so he has a site for that. And if you go to his site, you'll see all of those things. Um, my granddaughter Ama has her own website. She teaches cooking. Wait, how old is she? She's eleven. Oh, that's <laughs> amazing! But she's been having this website so, since she was five. Wow. So this is what we're talking about, teaching, right. the, letting the children come into their own when they're young right. and just see where they evolve from. Right. And the genius just rises up. Right. Well, you don't even just see. You help to nurture it. You nurture mm. it. Because if you just leave them alone, they may be okay. But if you nurture because you've, you've also worked on yourself, sure, sure. you're going to ensure that they walk the path. That they should. So they're planting some good seeds. They're huh? planting some good seeds. And they're not doing it just for their own children. So children come. Yes. And parents come. And they want to be a part of this. Mm-hmm. You know, because they want to create a village where people understand who they are and who they are. Mm-hmm. 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 I love that. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's good stuff. So we got Nataki Business uh, Nataki, N-A-T-A-K-I, at N-U-BusinessSolutions.com. And you can text for more info to 505-562-2365. If you text your name and your email address, you can get, and the word black, you'll get information on all of the companies and businesses that mm, have just been discussed that are part of 
the Cambon family. Mm -hmm. That's that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah, a model for all of us, really. Mm -hmm. yeah, we talk about institution building and um, legacy and, and all of that. And that's the thing that's going to really bring about the change we want to see in our Absolutely. society. So thank you for being a model. And thank you for being here. This is this has been really great. Well, thank I you. really thank you both for inviting me and having me here to, in this wonderful energy space. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I wish you greatness that your life moves forward in the direction that it was destined to go and that you be an integral part in making that happen. Thank you. Ashe. So again, we'll just say in closing, don't be afraid of change or learning something new. Continue to evolve, continue to transform, and continue to thrive. Peace. Yes, it's time to stop your falling. You've been down long enough. Can't you hear the spirits calling? To hear it, calling your name, calling your name, yeah, talking about spirit.